Blog Talk Radio. Well, good morning, folks. I hope everyone's just having as wonderful of a day as I am. I, I tell you, it has just been beautiful down here at the beach. We're going into that fall season, and uh, although it is a slam-packed, busy week for me with everything that's going on, I can tell you one thing. I am looking forward to next week. I'll be in Atlanta with Dalton. We'll be at Catalyst Conference, just, uh, man, helping support 15,000 uh, rockin' leaders as they help to to change the world one person at a time, and I think that's awesome. I'm looking at the uh, the stats, and I have to tell everybody once again, thank you. Uh, August, uh, we literally almost doubled our listening uh, views, 41,513 uh, literal archive downloads of the show. Uh, we're already at 25,000 right now. We've broken through July's record uh, already for this month, and it's you guys that make this um, you just make this show wonderful we're we're rocking it over at the home business radio network and i want to thank you guys for all of that because if it wasn't for our listeners uh, we just you know there'd be no reason to do the show and i think that's the cool part about it the tipping point in leadership this is by david beard you can go to the tipping point book uh, com it's a phenomenal book it's a phenomenal website Oh, excuse me, trippingpointbooks.com. It's called trippingpointbooks.com, and and it's great. David is a, a business leader, best-selling author, a keynote speaker, has 30 years' experience at putting this stuff together. And yesterday we were we we learned about apathy, you know, and and how many of us are apathetic, and we learned that the true working definition of of being apathetic. Is, is really a developmental definition, and it's a natural human instinct common to us all that consistently encourages us to seek a comfort zone in which nothing ever changes. And I got to thinking, man, this is one reason that America has become the country that it is, is because over the last 235, 236 years, men and women were willing to go outside their comfort zone, move their families across a giant, vast piece of land, go into the mountains and become, you know, explorers. I mean, it's amazing when you actually look and read and study about this great country. And today we're in Chapter 2, The Power of Choice. And this is just, I mean, this book altogether, I mean, we'll finish it up this week for the most part. It's only like 100, 104 pages long. And I thought, man, this is just 104 pages of rock-solid notes. See, the power of choice represents, I think, one of the most significant resources of mankind. Because when you think about it, it's the potential power that that really governs our dichotomy. It, it literally can change the world. You know, think about this for for an example. The cumulative difference between a lifetime filled with good choices and a lifetime filled with bad choices can be dramatic. But the choice is each and every one ours. We determine the choice. Now, we can we can use a lot of stuff like my, my friend Tom Hopp talks about from our early childhood and say, well, you know, it's because of the way we were raised and stuff like that. And to a certain degree, yeah, that's true. But as we grow, we get the choices of staying the same or changing. So at the end of the day, we have nobody to complain, gripe, or moan to except ourselves. See, that's the thing. It, it goes back... 
and David shares this story. It's the first conversation God ever had with Adam. He said, Adam, since you're the first of my new creation, I have some great news for you and some not-so-great news. The good news is that I've given you the freedom of choice. Adam got all excited. That's great. I can do whatever I want. Then God said, that leads me to the bad news, Adam. The bad news is I've given you freedom of choice. And so many times that happens. I was on the phone with a good friend of mine out of Dubai today. He was telling me some good news about his company and what was taking place and what's been happening. And and as I listened to him, I could hear the excitement in his voice. I said, you're having a good time. He goes, Troy, taking this job was the best choice I ever made. Moved his family from Atlanta to Dubai. Talk about a Talk about an experience there. See, freedom of choice is a two-edged sword that's sharp as a razor, cuts both directions. And we've got to be able to determine which choices are going to make us and which ones could break us. David writes this. He says, actually, our lives represent the cumulative impact of the choices we make. From From the time that we can consciously make choices. Our life goes on a path. And for the most part, we determine that path. See, the objective that we're going to try to cover today is, number one, think about choices as creative power, something that's going to help guide your life. Number two, consider that that power applies to you and your future as a leader. Now, sometimes... My good good Christian friends, they get a little freaky around me because sometimes when we're talking about things, they say, oh my gosh, that sounds new age, Troy. You're, you're saying my freedom of choice has creative power. Well, that's what the Bible says. I go back to an old, old tale in the Bible about a king. The people of Israel kept saying, I want a king, we want a king, we want somebody. And God said, okay, that's cool, I'll give you one if that's what you really want. And he gave them a king that stood head and feet taller than the people there. Handsome. The women loved him. The men wanted to be like him. He was anointed by God. And he led the country pretty well for a while. Then his ego got out of check. And he made choices and decided that he could do everything in his power and didn't need to listen to really what God had to say. Jealousy took over. And all of a sudden, his future as a leader was gone. Now, he had some creative ways of trying to still stay in power, and it didn't work. See, this is what happens. God gives us the freedom of choice. We can decide to accept him, his will, his son, or we can blow it off. It's up to us. David writes something in here that I thought was good. He said, I've noticed that effective leaders usually make good choices. Those choices have an accumulative and creative positive impact on the organizations that the effective leaders serve. It's interesting. He goes on to say, I find very smart leaders who are simply not aware of the power of their choices. So effective leaders understand the power of a choice. Smart leaders sometimes don't. That's very interesting. See, what we have to be able to do is become smart, effective leaders. And if we understand choice, then we'll start to understand that the power of choice counterbalances the forces of apathy. All of a sudden, we have this this 
heightened level of awareness and we start to understand that we have to stay out of our comfort zone. We've got to constantly be stretching ourselves. We've got to constantly be moving forward. This awareness will push us beyond our self-imposed, unproductive comfort zones. Now, most of us, because we get into the what I call the rut, just the mundane living of life, we don't even we don't even understand the amount of choices that we make on a daily basis. We don't understand that the choices affect our emotional side. We go through life thinking the freaking glass is half full. Oh poor me! Oh, it's been a sucky day. Oh, I wish everybody around me was just joyful and happy. I wish everybody had positive attitudes. Oh, somebody stepped on my freaking toe, kicked me in the butt, socked me in the stomach. Life sucks. That's how we act. Not realizing we got a choice on how each and every circumstance affects us. We decide. Let me let me share with you choices. On Friday of last week, my wife calls me on the phone and says, "Hey, I got to share something with you. You got a mail in the in you got a package in the mail." I said, "Who's it from?" And she shares with me, "It's from a governmental agency out of Washington that has requested my presence before a a." Uh, investigative body they want to talk to me about some stuff five pages long i got all kinds of crap i got to get them i said wow that sucks but okay we'll deal with it and that's all she says i get home on saturday she says hey can we go out tomorrow morning i know you got church but can you take off and, and let's just go to the beach i want to share some things with you i said sure no sweat off we went we had a wonderful morning and she said i got to share a couple things with you Ponikin. she goes number one they took a biopsy out of my arm they think there's a possibility that I have skin cancer. I said, whoa, that's uh, not what I anticipated, you know. She goes, well, I didn't want to bother you while you were gone. You know, I want you to be able to deal with this. I said, okay. You know, I mean, life circumstances. I had choices that I could make in both of these situations. I could get all, oh, my gosh, why'd God do this to me? Oh, what are we going to do? And instead I said, well, well, we'll just move forward. Let's, let's, are you, you think you're going to be okay? And she shared and and I got a hold of my attorney yesterday on this subpoena and, and said, hey, are we cool with this? He said, yeah, just do what they ask and and put it all up in a folder where I can get to the actual documents and I'll write to them, we'll cover it. And I said, okay, that's awesome. You know, no sweat there. I mean, you know, you go through life, you have choices. Do I go around moping and groaning or do I just kick butt and make it happen? Now think about this. How many choices a day do you make? 50, 100 Here's the reality. You make thousands of choices each and every day. Thousands. You decide your perceptions in life. You, per, you, do you decide your attitude. You decide your actions. You decide how you want to look at each and everything. You decide, do I want to look at the glass half full or half empty? Do I want to look at everybody as dull, negative, disillusioned crybabies? Or do I want to be a dull, negative, disillusioned crybaby? Now, I know there's some of you out there that, that that's just just life, whether it's physical or mental or whatever, but for the most part, that's not the way it is. See, there's three choices that will determine the quality of your future and the effectiveness of your leadership. And I'm not talking about just leading a giant organization. I'm talking about leading your daggum family. The accumulative impact of your life is determined by how you manage the power of choice 
And number one is the choice of attitude. Attitude's not a gimmick. It's a choice. You decide. How do you want to react to the circumstances around you? This myth that, well, I just got out of the wrong side of the bed. That's a bunch of hog crap. You decide. Your attitude is a direct reflection of what's inside of you. And it's just coming out in your actions. So if you've got a crappy inside because you see everything nasty, then you're going to have a nasty attitude. David has this definition of an attitude. He says, he calls it the definition of a positive attitude. He says, a predetermined and proactive habit of thought dominated by faith, hope, optimism, and courage. I'm going to say that again. The definition of a positive attitude is a predetermined and proactive habit of thought dominated by faith, hope, optimism, and courage. See, the only difference between a positive and a negative attitude is your personal choice. I was on the phone yesterday with a a multimillionaire many times over, phenomenal businessman that's never forgotten where he comes from, and one who I just happen to have the privilege of when he needs to brainstorm outside of his organization, he calls and talks to me. And we were chatting about a situation, and I shared with some ideas of how I thought he ought to kind of cover it. And he got ecstatic, and we're putting this together for a couple of weeks down the road. It's, it's pretty cool. But he always looks at the glass half full, even when he's going through torment. And he never wants to hurt other people. It's the coolest thing I've ever seen. See, this is the way leaders are, positive leaders. They believe that they generally get out of life what they put into it. You can look at people all through history, from the Bible to historical books, and, and the great leaders believe that they generally get out of life what they put into it, whether it's Benjamin Franklin or Mother Teresa. You want to know something else that I found, and David writes about it in his book? You almost never find effective leaders who have achieved above their own expectations. If you don't believe that you can be somebody, then you're absolutely right. If you don't believe that you can accomplish that, you are 100% right. It's a choice you're making. If you believe that you can do something, you know what? You're going to figure out a way to get there. Now, I'm not talking about unrealistic dreams. You know, I'm not saying that you're you're 4'9 and you're going to dream yourself into becoming 6'1, garbage like that. I'm talking about if you're really passionate about something, if you really feel like that's what I'm supposed to do in life and you bust your butt to do it, you're going to find a way to accomplish that. I didn't move to the beach because we hadn't been planning on it. We just up and decided we had over five years we'd been planning on this move, actually ten to be quite honest. We did it. I didn't just overnight start doing radio shows and watch them grow to 41,000 listens a month. We didn't do that. It took a two-year process, three years almost. I was doing the radio show before we ever started videos. I mean, it's, it's truly amazing when you see this stuff and you see what's taking place and what's going on. See, an attitude is a habit of thought. David writes this, The choice of a positive, productive attitude is the most important trait of an effective leader. 
You get to decide that. It's a choice. Attitude is a choice, plain and simple. Ask yourselves these questions. Am I generally positive or negative? Do I expect to succeed or fail? Do I seek support or criticize? Do I seek praise or find fault? Do I focus on my strengths or hide my weaknesses? Do I seek to learn from my mistake or be defensive about my perfection? Do I expect the best or worst? Do I build up others or tear them down? Do I do I fear failure or desire achievement? See, this is great. Now, most people, fear comes into play. Fearful, negative attitudes will pose significant problems. But I want to change your mental mindset on what fear is. Write this down. Fear means face everything and recover. That's just plain and simple. Sadly, most people let fear paralyze their productive actions. They just paralysis of analysis and they stop. Fear attracts and supports failure. If all you do is think you're going to fail, then you will. And fear eliminates ownership of possible solutions. It sucks. I'll tell you that right now. Second thing, when it comes to choice, that you have to do is you have to choose to act. You have the freedom of, of choice and you get to choose the action. You get to become the effective leader that you desire to be. See, this is great. Peter Drucker, the king of management, said effectiveness is the process of doing more of what works and abandoning what doesn't and knowing the difference. Don't keep going round and around in a circle thinking you're going to get a different result. That's just freaking insanity, and they'll put a white jacket on you. Figure out what works. Take the right actions and do it and do it and do it until the job gets done. That's what you have to do. Activity is not effectiveness. Remember that. It's not about being active. I used to think when I got into business for myself, I had to bust my butt just like I did at work. I had to always be doing something. I had to look busy, and I realized I don't need to do that. I need to work a couple days, I mean a couple hours a day, and then I need to be doing personal development within myself and talking to people on the phone and, and helping to raise them up. That's what I need to do. That's the name of the game. It's the only way that you're going to build it and build it right. See, David writes this. I thought this was great. If you can look busy and avoid the measure of results, you can psychologically feel secure in your comfort zone. You'll make no mistakes, and there'll be no measurements of effectiveness. See what happens? See, if all we want to do is be busy, then we fall into that ap- ap- apathy state of our comfort zone. You have to get yourself out there on the edges. You want to know why I have this subpoena from this regulatory agency? Because I was willing to be pretty vocal in some areas. And they said, we want to talk to you more because you seem to have, and this is their words, you're one of the most vocal and influential people in network marketing. It's like, yeah, people keep telling me that. I just want to see people succeed. And when they fail and it's partially my fault, I get really freaking depressed over it. Do I stay in that dull, negative, disillusioned state? Absolutely not. I go out there and say, how can I fix it? How can I make sure I find a company that people can get in and, and they can they can get back onto the level that they want? 
man, we all go through life and things change and we don't know it and things happen and we we don't have any control over it. Just that doesn't matter. Move forward. Move through it. Matter of fact, David writes this. He says, make a personal commitment to assume 100% responsibility for your attitudes and your behaviors. My coverage of Zeke Rewards over the last nine months, I have met some great friends. There's some things that I'd do different in the way that we reported on that story, but I'll tell you one thing that I wouldn't change, reporting on the story. I've met so many great friends. I'm seeing them land in some phenomenal companies. They are changing their lives forever, and I got to be a small part of that. Man, it was a tough call, but it was cool to see this happen. See, never use comfortable activity as a smokescreen in order to avoid effective actions. Get out there, kick butt, take names, and move forward. I'm telling you, it's a gigantic difference. The third thing is we come to a close today. And this is so important. Because these are the these are really the three important choices that you make. The choice of attitude, the choice of action, and this is a big one. The choice of accountability. Okay, there's no lone rangers in success. You have to have a team around you, a team that, that Bob Budine calls your inner who, your who, your circle, and you've got to have people that you're accountable to. See, what would it be like if there was no accountability? See, accountability isn't a crutch, it's a choice. It pushes you beyond your self-imposed comfort zone, your self-imposed limitation, your limiting beliefs, if you will. Listen to what David said. I, I thought this was good. This, this is just, I, I really love this. He says, natural talent such as size, speed, strength, and intelligence is nothing more than untapped potential. And there is one ingredient required of the gifted athlete in order to develop that potential, accountability. I've had people say, Troy, I'm, I'm just 4'9", I can't be a good athlete. And I'll look at them and say, have you ever seen what a jockey, what size a jockey is on the back of a horse that wins millions of dollars a year? Do you realize the strength and the agility of those, those jockeys to be up on the back of them horses? All of a sudden they start to realize, you know what, I can be somebody. I can do something. Troy, I can't make it in network marketing. I don't know very many people. Well, God gave you a mouth. Go meet some people. Does it seem easy? Sure, it's easy for me to say that. Heck, I go through life sometimes. I had a, a person I contacted. I said, you know what? I think you'd be good in this company, man. It just is a natural fit. And they decided, well, I don't want to be in that company. I want to be in this other company. And when they failed... They blamed the company. I said, dude, I told you that that wouldn't be a good fit because I'm looking at it from the outside. Why didn't you go to the other company? You know, you've got to look at accountability. Okay, Don't ask people their, their, their questions and then not follow through with them. Accountability will push you beyond your self-imposed limitations. I don't have a problem. Just like I, I don't have a problem going to Washington, D.C., talking to this, this regulatory body setting down, answering their questions, figuring out what went wrong. I can talk to a poor person on the street, too, even if that's their choice. See, if you want to be something tomorrow that you're not today, then you need to develop your untapped potential. And you know what? It doesn't matter how old or how young you are. 
I love going to Colonel Sanders. It's not the best for me, but I just love their original recipe, and I love their, their hot wings. They're a spicy hot wing, not a sauce hot wing. I just love them. You know, he was 65 years old, figured out he couldn't live on Social Security. He went out there and did something about it. we got people that are all day long looking for a handout, and it pisses me off. And then we get people that say, I'm going out. I can't find a job. I'm just going to go out and start a business, and they change their whole lives. They reach into that untapped potential. They call up people. They become accountable. David writes this, If you want your life to be filled with abundance and significance, never allow yourself the comfort of an excuse. My pappy always told me, Son, don't give me an excuse. All that is is a cleverly disguised lie. And see, that's exactly what it is. An excuse is nothing more than a cleverly disguised lie that you're telling yourself and to other people. Get out of that. Push yourself. See, regardless of your current accomplishments, you have so much more to give. I'll use my mom as an example just because I only had one mom. So, you know, I can remember when I was growing up, and I'm talking about a little tyke. There was a time when when she wouldn't throw away um, toilet paper, toilet paper roll, you know, the the cardboard in the middle of them, and she wouldn't throw away Dawn dish soap, and it's like, why the heck are we keeping these? And then all of a sudden, I saw what she did. She she would make these beautiful dolls out of them, and and I mean, gosh, I bet those dolls could sell for hundreds of thousands of dollars. I mean, she made all the material. She, I mean, it was beautiful. She did that for a long time, and then she got out of that, and she started doing wedding cakes. She's, my mom's a perfectionist. I mean, I don't know how I ever went to school sometimes looking the way I did because, well, probably because she didn't pay attention. I just took off, but it, it's amazing because she'd do wedding cakes. I mean, she'd make houses. She'd make gingerbread houses. Her and dad, dad created the design for her to make the the, uh, the ceiling, whatever you call them, the roof or those things. But she would do that. People would pay her money for those. Then she got into making clothing and wedding gowns and 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 ballroom not ballroom grounds what do you call them uh, uh, prom dresses stuff like that and she made lots of money like that because she she's tapping into her potential okay she wanted to make no excuses so she would she would do this then she'd do shadow boxes and, and she'd do quilling paper she do all I hated Christmas because she was such a perfectionist on her tree but here's the kicker. She would do this until she got to a point where she couldn't become better at what she'd do or, or something else would get in the way and she'd, she'd change and then she'd go on to something else. Never seemed to ever go back to the next thing. Now she's a painter, paints the most beautiful pictures you've ever seen. She would accomplish something and then she would stretch herself into doing something new. And she'd accomplish that and she'd stretch herself into doing something new. You have to do that. If you feel like you've maxed out your potential in an area, stretch yourself into doing something new. My mom never went to college. My mom never went and got formal education on all the stuff she did. She just became a master at it. And you can do the same daggum thing if you want to. See, many leaders who are constantly struggling with their comfort zone straddle these two questions. Number one, do I settle for what is or do I push towards what could be? And that's what you've got to do today. You've got to ask yourself, do I settle for what is or do I push towards what could be? Man, that's the name of the game, guys. 
Man, I love doing the show with y'all. It's just rocking. Hey, live life like it's an epic adventure. Stay dangerous. Stay strong. And if you're in network marketing, act like it. Folks, this is Troy Dooley, the host of Beachside CEO, heard around the world on the Home Business Radio Network.